Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Peristyle Podcast. It's been a while, but we are back with the Trojan Blast recruiting edition of the Peristyle Podcast. That means we have uscfootball.com national recruiting analyst Gerard Martinez joining us to answer your questions about USC football recruiting, of course. Gerard, welcome to the show. What's going on? Uh, nothing much. It's... Uh kind of getting ready for the season opener against Hawaii, so obviously that takes precedent over recruiting, and I think it takes precedent with the coaching staff as well, but <laughs> there are some uh, tidbits to talk about, and obviously uh, it's going to be the beginning of the high school football season this weekend too, so um, that's going to be interesting. We're going to see what some of these guys in the 2013 class that have all these star ratings to see if they're the real deal with actual football pads on. You Sometimes you forget that football is actually played with helmets and pads. Yeah, well, after the summer, you don't really see a lot of that you see a lot of shorts you see a lot of seven on seven and this is going to be linemen shoulder pads popping tackling blocking all this kind of stuff that we don't really get to see all that much over the summer yeah i mean we got to see fall camp obviously and and uh put in a lot of work with uh, just fall camp and fall camp central we just actually put the final update on that and that was over a hundred content items that we did just for fall camp Damn. in a month basically yeah, less than a yeah. month up, up there. And that's why we haven't done a, a recruiting version of the podcast because it is a really busy month. It's probably our busiest month of the year with fall camp. And even Gerard chips in and he was doing newcomer notebooks and all the different kind of content items we were doing. But definitely go to the front page of uscfootball.com. Click on Fall Camp Central. If you missed anything over the past month, photos, videos, stories, podcasts, all that stuff, we have linked on Fall Camp Central. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I think people miss because – there's questions that come up on the peristyle all the time about things, and I go, you know, that was in the newcomer notebook, or you know what, we did actually have photos of that, or you know, there's right. there's little things along the way that uh, we've done, and I mean, we're putting up, you know, eight content items a day. I, I think you know, not always uh, everybody gets to see every single thing. Yeah, we had there was I think a couple of days in a row we had like eight or nine content items go up each day, and it was just kind of like, well, if you if you're only checking the site like twice a day, you're going to miss some stuff. So. Check it out on Fall Camp Central. We have it broken down by date, so you can go back and see what's going on, all of Dan's stories from uh, practices and all the, the updates we've done, all the videos, all that stuff is in there. So check it out. It's, it's cool stuff. And uh, Fall Camp Central has been a popular you know, uh, item on uscfootball.com just because it's one-stop shopping for all your content needs for Fall Camp. So, But we want to talk. We've talked so much Fall Camp in the, in the opener, obviously, uh, against Hawaii on Thursday, just a couple days away. But we want to talk some recruiting, and we haven't done it since, I think, mid-July, so it's good that we're getting back here on the, the podcast for that. The biggest news, Gerard, over the past week or so was the uh, commitment from Malik Dorton. I don't think it was a surprise, but you know, I think the USC fans were pretty happy with it. Yeah, certainly wasn't a surprise. It's something that we've been expecting um, probably you know, after he got a scholarship offer in May. It seemed like USC had kind of taken the lead. Um, he was looking at UCLA very heavily. And, uh, you know, UCLA, I think for a little time being, might have actually been the school that he was ready to commit to 
and they were pushing for it, and he went to their junior day. And uh, he, I think he just kind of wanted to wait to see if he could get that USC offer. So he decided um, to wait and hold off a little bit. He's actually teammates with Nico Fala. Nico Fala, you know, enrolling at USC, I think was in his ear a little bit about, hey, man, just, you know, give it some time and maybe you'll get that USC offer. So he decided to do so. He got the USC offer, and then it became just a matter of uh, when rather than if. And, uh, you know, we thought he might commit, you know, in June, and then he said he's going to commit before the end of July, and then that didn't happen. Um, but uh, what did end up happening is right after fall camp, you know, like that next day, uh, he held a press conference at uh, St. John Bosco High School, and he committed to USC. So um, definitely good uh, for, for USC to get that one under the belt, another good local player. Um, I think probably intriguing because he's one of those first jumbo athlete hybrid type players at that linebacker position that USC is going to start recruiting with this new 5-2 defense. Um, a, a guy like Malik Dorton would be in a 4-3, more of a weak side defensive end. And it, it, it's interesting to think whether USC would have offered him this early, if they would have waited. I think because that's new defense, there's a transition, and they need those bigger outside linebackers now. He's a guy that's a more of a need. There's more of a value for guys like that right now in the defense. So I think you know maybe that's one of the reasons why USC pushed a little more harder on him, and you know in, in May and offered him that scholarship instead of waiting maybe September or October uh, like they do in some of their other positions with local players. So um, intriguing, you know how he plays out and 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 how he develops, and um, he's going to have to you know change a little bit of that position because he does play weak side defensive end at St. John Bosco. Mm-hmm. So now he's going to have to come. And, and you know, come out at uh, that three-point stance into a two-point stance and play a little more as a, as a linebacker and drop back into coverage, et cetera, et cetera. So when we see him this season, uh, we're going to watch him as a pass rusher, but we're also going to watch him from an agility standpoint, from you know, a spatial awareness standpoint, and how he plays, um, how he's able to do certain things that might be able to translate to that new position of either Predator or Sam outside linebacker. Uh, he was a guy – it's funny, when I go to high schools usually – uh, we're not there to watch the game. We're not there to watch the whole practice. We're usually there to watch one or two players. And I, I went to St. Bon, St. Bon, St. John Bosco uh, last year uh, to check out Nico Fala and, uh, and, you know, watched him practice. I did a lot of isolation film on him, especially when you're filming. You really aren't looking at anything else. You're only isolated on him. And, you know, he's playing offensive line, and I got to do some pass rushing drills. And Malik Dorton was one of the guys that, that was like, oh, this guy looks like he's a, a player. And, you know St. John Bosco. There's a ton of D1 guys there. And, and it's funny when I walk on the campus and I realize, well, a year ago, I'm sure a bunch of those guys were there. And I didn't even notice them. You know, And these are guys that are going to play at high-level Division One schools. But Malik Dorton was one of those guys that I did notice. Part of the reason because of the position he was going one-on-one against Fala. But he definitely was a guy who was a little bit younger but stood out to me. And that usually doesn't happen, Gerard, because I'm focused on the dude that I'm there to see. Yeah, and, and one of the things that is interesting that his coach mentioned uh, kind of an introduction to him actually announcing his commitment to USC was that he came to St. John Bosco as a wide receiver, and he played wide receiver uh, really until his sophomore year. And then they decided to, to put him at defensive end because he you know pretty big body and, and had some height on him. And uh, according to his coach, that, that first game that they played him at defensive end uh, was against La Habra High School, and that was the game where uh, Ed Erdron was actually there in attendance. 
And so Ed Orgeron actually saw him play his first game as a defensive end, and, you know, ironically, he ends up committing to USC. Um, and, you know, we also put together a future impact piece, which we kind of got away from doing for a while, but uh, we're going to start kind of doing those again now, um, which uh, really goes into detail about, you know, how Malik Dorton, how he fits into the current roster, you know, who's there right now, um, kind of with the context of who's leaving, how he fits in, who he comes in for, and again, talking about that transition of him being a defensive end with his hand on the ground and to going back and playing more of a linebacker position. All right, well, let's uh, get to some questions. We have some questions. I know some of these have, they might be a couple weeks old, but I, I think they're still valid, so we'll try to get to all of them. And uh, again, I apologize if you've sent in a recruiting question a while back and we didn't read it yet. Well, now we're going to try to read it. Uh, it should, there shouldn't be too many, you know, different questions because there hasn't been a whole lot <laughs> that's changed yeah. in the last month, basically. You know, like I said, it's kind of the priority thing. And, you know, coaching staff has been in camp. It's not a lot of time to be recruiting when you're in camp and you're trying to prepare for the season. Make a good point there. All right. Well, we, and we actually have a couple international questions, which I like. We'll start with one of those. Mac D in Vancouver. He wants to know, with USC offering both Josh Townsend and Ricky Towns scholarships, um, that has to lead to some speculation about David Sills. Would USC ever waver on their offer to Sills with so much history between he and the schools? Would this be more of a Sills would have to decommit than USC backing away type of thing as this process plays out? That's a great question. I don't know if I can really answer the question because it's it's difficult to say either way. I, I my gut feeling is that Lane Kiffin will not back off of David Seals. I think Lane Kiffin, um, you know, invested in David Seals early on, invested in the pipeline that is Eastern Christian Academy, uh, the same high school that produced you know Kenny Bigelow, Khalil Rogers. Uh, they're going to have more guys down the line. And I think if Lane Kiffin is the coach at USC, I think David Sills ends up at USC. Now, if there's a change in coaching staff, then all bets are off. You know, if, some, if, if there's another coach that comes in and there's no agreement, there's no promises, there's no guarantees, there's really no relationship there necessarily, then I think there's uh, a, a good chance that maybe David Sills ends up going elsewhere. I mean, he may not even like the coaching staff. He may not like the offense. <laughs> Who knows? you know, what changes might be made. But I think if Lane Kiffin is there, I think David Sills uh, still goes to USC. And USC just ends up taking um, two quarterbacks in that class, which uh, would, would not be difficult because there's plenty of really good quarterbacks locally. And you mentioned, you know, Josh Rosen, Ricky Townsend, Kevin Dillman is another uh, quarterback who's highly thought of after uh, out of uh, La Mirada High School. Uh, there's going to be other guys too. And so it, it's going to be one of those things where they have a chance to maybe double up in that class um, with Sills already committed. Uh, Dave and San Clemente had a kind of a follow-up, I guess you could say to that, because Ricky Town did commit to Alabama even though he does have a USC offer. Josh Rosen looks like a Stanford lean. Should USC revisit the idea of taking a quarterback in the class of 2014? And are there any area prospects that are on the verge of getting a USC offer with a great senior season? That's, again, Dave in San Clemente. There's been a little bit of thought that they're still maybe shopping around a little bit in the 2014 class. Uh, Brad Kai actually showed up to one of the scrimmages, and he's a quarterback uh, from Chaminade High School uh, and is committed to uh, Miami right now, uh, about 6'4", 200 pounds. Um, pretty good-looking kid off the hoof. 
Uh, haven't actually haven't watched a whole lot of his film. He doesn't have a scholarship offer yet from USC, but obviously him coming down to the scrimmage uh, tells you that they're looking at him and that there are some conversations and there's some communication there. And so that's interesting to see. Uh, there haven't been a whole lot more quarterbacks that uh, have been offered. You know, really it was uh, kind of uh, um, you know Keller Chris that was the guy basically in the class that had the offer. There's a couple other kids that have claimed offers. They do not have scholarship offers. Kyle Christ is the only guy that has scholarship offer right now for the 2014 class. So we'll see if it develops. We'll see if there's some guys that all of a sudden, you know, come out of the woodwork. Uh, quite honestly, I think if you, you know, you really want to offer a guy in this class, you can find a good quarterback in California. There's never not a good quarterback in California. You, you just have to look. I mean, it's just the, 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 the track record speaks for itself in the NFL and college of how many guys get plucked out of uh, California and end up, you know, doing things, you know, Colin Kaepernick at a Tulare high school. Well, nobody saw him, but you know, uh, um, Nevada and, but he was there, you know, it was just one of those things that, you know, a lot of people just didn't do enough evaluation and it's not, uh, you know, Tulare's kind of central California and, uh, kind of, I don't want to say out in the middle of nowhere, but it's kind of north, I think, of Fresno. So it's kind of, it's just a little bit outward of, of where your, you know, regular, uh, recruiting trail might take you as a, as a college coach. But, um, if they're really determined to take a quarterback in this class, they could find a good one. Not to say that they will, but they can find a good one. Um, but, you know, if maybe they feel like those guys that are at the top or echelon of the rankings are not there, uh, they may decide, you know what, we can take two in the 2015 class and be okay. Uh, we talked about this ad nauseum. Obviously, the quarterback situation on the roster right now comes into play there. There's a big issue with if, guy tra- if a guy transfers, if uh, somebody else wins the job. Right now, we know Max Brown's not going to win the job. And that was going to be obviously something that would affect recruiting. And, you know, all of a sudden Max Brown was the job and then Cody Kessler and Max Wade decide they both want to transfer because they're going to be behind a freshman. Well, that would have been, you know, definitely one of those situations that would have forced USC's hand to basically recruit uh, a quarterback in the 2014 class. That's not going to happen. We're still kind of trying to figure out who the heck is going to actually start out of Kessler and Whittick at this point. Um, so if neither of those guys transfer and it, and it kind of goes back and forth throughout the whole season, then you really don't need to get a 2014 quarterback. Um, if one of those guys does this, try, decide to transfer, um, there may be some argument to still getting a guy in the 2014 class. So that that does still have some influence over, I think, what happens on signing day. Um, you know, as we get into the season and try to figure out if there's a guy that's actually going to win this job or we're just going to have a two-headed quarterback uh, throughout the season for USC. Uh, Dave had a follow-up that I, we could just kind of – I don't think we have to put too much time into it, but he talked about uh, recruiting rules from the NCAA. And what changes would you make, Gerard, to the NCAA recruiting rules? I know it's going to be a whole hour show probably on its own, but maybe a few thoughts on that. <clears throat> yeah. No, really. That really could be an hour-long show. I mean, first and foremost, I don't know all the NCAA recruiting rules. I'd be really upfront about that. Um, I don't know if all coaches know all the NCAA recruiting rules. They change every year, and they don't make sense, and there's weird little things that happen that you can do and you can't do. Um, I think the contact from coaches to recruits has to be regulated. Now, the the rule changes that they were going to make did not pass where um, college coaches could basically call kids at any time. 
and they could text message them at any time. Obviously, that was not good. That was not going to be good for anybody, quite frankly. It wasn't really going to be good for the coaches either because all of a sudden they were going to have to, you know, text message kids 500 times a day just to keep up with the next guy because everybody's going to push the envelope farther and farther and farther to try to make that big impression. So it was just going to be, you know, a kind of outdo-each-other type thing, and the coaches were going to be all stressed out about it, and then the kids obviously were not, not – they were there as cool for about a month, and then they would have been, oh, my God, i got to turn my phone off because I can't, even, I can't even use it without it going off every five seconds. Um, so I think contact between – Coaches and recruits uh, has to be regulated. I, I, I think just in general, with, without going over through every freaking bad rule that there is, I, I think if you can't enforce a rule, then you shouldn't have a rule. And I think that's the, the thing with the NCAA. They make a lot of rules that they can't enforce. They make a lot of rules that you know it's up to somebody's discretion whether it's actually a rule or not. I, I mean, I'll give you an example of just the media uh, the media, according to USC, cannot take photos, cannot interview kids on campus, uh, cannot really have anything to do with the recruit when he's on campus. He's completely off limits. Now, that's USC's interpretation of the rules. There are a lot of other schools out there, Florida State, Auburn, there's a ton of other schools out there that don't have that same interpretation. You can, they, the, the websites that cover those schools interview kids on campus all the time. Uh, not for official visits, but for camps and other things and, and, and junior days and what have you. And you'll see video interviews of kids on campus. You'll see kids taking photos on campuses. Uh, so I don't understand why one school can interpret uh, something one way and then the other school interprets it another way. You know, some, some schools close camps to the media, close camps to the public, other have them open. I just think that because the NCAA really, they, they don't enforce equally and, and there's discretion there. It just, it, it leaves everybody open to, uh, well, it depends on what you think and your own personal thing. And that means it changes from, from place to place. I don't like that. And I, there's some rules like that with the NCAA in terms of contact, in terms of things, um, when it comes to actually enforcing, uh, they're not doing a very good job of it. So don't make a rule that you, you can't enforce. Um, so, I mean, yeah, there, and there's, there's just there's so many things. Uh, I would have to go over, like, a list and sit there and look at them and pick them apart in detail. Um, but I think that uh, you've you got to be able to have things that, uh, that if it's a rule that you can go ahead and you can enforce it and regulate it properly and, and fairly. And fairly just has not been the way the NCAA has done it <laughs> just because it's open to somebody's own, you know, this guy thinks it should be this way and this guy thinks it should be another way. That oh, makes sense, Gerard. Uh, let's go to Melvin. Is it realistic to believe that USC has a possibility of recruiting and signing all three defensive backs, Adoree Jackson, Adarius Pickett, and Juju Smith? It is possible. Um, right now, it's probably a little unlikely just because, I mean, Adoree is kind of floating around out there. It's hard to really pin down where he might end up. A lot of people in the Southeast are convinced he's just not going to stay on the West Coast. But, of course, they're all convinced they're, he's going to their school. Tennessee thinks that he's going to Tennessee. Mm. Florida State thinks he's going to Florida State. Florida thinks he's going to Florida. They all legitimately, honestly think that they lead for him. And that, to me, tells me that they none of them lead for him. And, you know, he, and, and again, actions speak louder than words when it comes to recruiting, especially nowadays, in my opinion. Kids say a lot of things, and they don't mean a lot of things. But 
you know, when a kid shows up to USC and he's been there like eight times since spring, that tells me he still has interest in USC. So Dory Jackson certainly isn't out of the picture for USC. Um, he's been there a lot. He has a good relationship with T. Martin. Uh, the most interesting thing he said about USC just recently uh, in an interview with uh, Chris Swanson, he said that uh, he basically, if he's going to go to USC, he's going to go to USC as a receiver. That's the one school that he would go to USC uh, as if for that position and that position specifically. Um, he said something like, oh, I might play a little defense too, and I might, but I, I want to go there to play receiver. And so that's interesting and because we know that you know throughout the offseason, he's kind of been leaning towards playing receiver. He won't come out and say that, but he's been playing receiver basically everywhere he goes, and he likes to have the ball in his hands. And so that's kind of sort of a, an interesting little parallel, though, that you know he goes to USC on an unofficial visit, hung out of practice, watched the receivers, and sees that offense and sees that he wants to play offense there. And then you kind of see that he's maybe leaning towards playing offense in general. Um, not to say that he couldn't go somewhere else and play offense, or you know, but he says you know a lot of the other schools I think I would play cornerback. Uh, but USC would be the one school where I'd go there and I'd play receiver. Um, so there's a there's a chance though, you know, that you know you can you can kind of bunch those guys up together and and you know Pickett obviously being the teammate with DJ, DJ Calhoun, DJ Calhoun committed to USC um, back in uh, June, so they're very close. They're you know teammates. They're much tighter than they are with Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon's kind of part of that group, but like I said for a few months now, I think Joe Mixon is going to kind of do his own thing. The five-star running back um, out of Oakland, California, he's going to kind of do his own thing depending on, I think, you know, playing time and and where he feels like he can kind of be the star of the offense. Um, I think Pickett and DJ are definitely looking a little more at the school and, and not necessarily just, you know, all playing time and, and what am I, am I going to be the feature guy and what's going on with this and what's going on with that on the football field. They're, looking a little further into the school itself and the university and, you know, the education. And they have a little more to say about those things. Uh, it's not all about football for them. Um, so I think, you know, Pickett definitely, USC, I, I would say USC is the leader at this point, I, really. Um, I honestly thought of Darius Pickett liked USC more than DJ Calhoun uh, for most of the process uh, over the summer and, and in the spring. I kind of thought, well, you know what, you know, USC seems really good with Pickett. They're going to kind of have to convince Calhoun a little bit to get away from UCLA because UCLA for a long time was his leader, just like, you know, with Malik Dorton, uh, UCLA was a leader. So USC has been able to kind of turn the tables with both those guys in a year where, you know, during the summer this is the lowest point of USC football in a long time. Right. You're coming <laughs> off a bad season and people are looking, you know, at Lane Kiffin like he's on the hot seat. And you're still able to steal some recruits away from UCLA. That's pretty good. That that shows the the, the coaching staff uh, they really really recruit well. Um, and then obviously with Juju Smith, he's kind of an interesting guy. I just don't think he's really serious about recruiting right now. He's talking about Ole Miss. He's going to visit Alabama. He's going to go here. He's going to go there. I think at the end of the day, he's probably staying closer to home. And I think you know USC will will be the team to beat. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where he plays. He's another guy that can play a little receiver, can also play safety. He's starting to feel like he can play safety at the next level, and, and, and maybe that will take him to the professional level. That might be the better position for him long term. I tend to agree. He can play receiver. He's a good receiver, but I think body-wise, I think safety might be where he plays better. It's 
it's it's it's one of those things that it's going to affect his recruitment somewhat, and we're going to see how that plays out. Um, so you know, I can't give you a percentage on all three guys. You know what, you know how good a chance USC has all three guys, but they do have a chance, and and. I think, you know, if you're, you're comparing it to other schools, I think they have a better chance than anybody. You know, UCLA, USC. Well, USC has a better chance at all three of those guys in UCLA than Cal and Oregon and Alabama than anybody. So that's good <laughs> if, right. uh, if you want to look at it that way. All right. Uh, good stuff there. We'll see what happens with uh, all those guys. Let's go to Kevin in South Orange County. He wants to know why Lane has not hired his brother Chris to come coach at USC. He's the guy that's delivered all those ballers to Old Miss this past signing day, right? I know he coaches the D-line, but I bet he could could have adapted to linebackers or something along those lines, couldn't he? That's Kevin in South OC. Well, could he have adapted to playing linebacker, or excuse me, coaching linebacker? That's definitely a question. And I think, you know, being where Lane Kiffin is right now, he needs to get guys that, uh, that that have some coaching experience. I mean, he's not in a position, you know, like Pete Carroll, where he could take some flyers off of some guys and go and say, all right, yeah, sure, you know, you're, you're grad assistant, but we're going to make you our full-time such-and-such coach. You know, Pete even got a lot of criticism for that, for certain hires that he made of guys that people – that, you know, the fans felt were unqualified. And so uh, that would have been tough for Lane to be able to do. Not to say that Lane couldn't have done it. I mean, he could have, uh, but it would have been difficult to do, and I think that probably would have been the primary reason. You know, you get Mike Eckler, and Mike Eckler's got a ton more experience. I shouldn't say a ton more experience, but he's got a, a good amount of more experience and, and certainly, you know, playing the position that also helps him um, in, in terms of his coaching ability. Uh, so I, I think that's probably some of it. Uh, does USC just need another great recruiter? Not necessarily. I, I mean, it doesn't hurt to have another great recruiter on the staff, but you got Ed Erger on there, and uh, you got T. Martin. Um, you know, you got a few guys there that can recruit. So you really need coaching. You know, and that's that's. Uh, I, I think Chris Kiffin is. That's where you know the biggest questions are going to be for him. Okay, he's got some of these talented guys. How do they develop? You know, who does he bring in that actually develops into a guy that is a five-star guy coming out of Ole Miss and not just going into Ole Miss? And, you know, we're not going to know until a couple of years, a few years here. So um, I think, you know, kind of going out on a limb, I think that would have probably been the biggest reason why Lane decided, hey, let's, uh, let's get some guys with experience and let's coach up our defense and not try to transition a very young coach with very little experience into a position that he's never coached before. Uh, okay, let's go to Matthew. Um, he also wanted to know about Adore Jackson and Juju Smith, who you'd already talked about. But he mentioned Damian Mama as well. Uh, and then he also wanted to talk about the, the other offensive lineman that committed to Alabama. The other offensive lineman that committed to Alabama. Uh, which one are we talking Viani about? Viani is what he's put here. Oh, okay, yeah, Viani uh, Talimayabo. Uh, yeah, so with uh, with Mama USC still, I think in a pretty good position. Um, you know, he he. You know, I hear a lot of stuff about the Bosco boys. They got to get their grades up, and so that's something that we kind of have to watch here throughout the process. Uh, I know Malik Dorton. Um, he's got to get that SAT score in. Uh, I know with uh, Jill Wadu, he's got to improve his core uh, GPA, and, and so does Damian Mama. Got a core GPA. He's got to improve. Um, so that's going to be something to, to, to kind of watch a little bit with USC, um, you know, because you know they, they they want those guys to be, uh, you know, solid students before they come in. Uh, so I, I think with Viani and, and Damian, 
I think with Damian, USC is still in a very good place. I think at the end of the day, it's more likely he stays home than he goes abroad. Uh, with Yanni, I kind of still feel that way as well. I think Alabama was the was just the pick because they're the school. And everybody wants to go to Alabama right now. I mean, they're defending national champions. You know, they're still putting guys in the NFL, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's a, you know, a, a tough physical offense. You know, they run the ball a lot. Uh, but I just don't know if I, if I can, can picture those guys leaving home to go to Alabama. It's just not, it's just completely not their style, not their pace, uh, and not what they're used to. And Vianney's never been to Alabama. And that's you know kind of the other thing. I mean, how many times does a guy commit to a school that he's never been to, and you know from out of state, and does that actually end up you know kind of following through? It, USC's had a few of those uh, situations where guys committed, and very few because you know I mean, when Pete Carroll was coaching, Pete Carroll usually insisted that the guy would come in on an unofficial visit or official visit before he made any kind of commitment. But you did have Alshon Jeffrey. Now Alshon Jeffrey actually <laughs> committed to USC before he actually visited USC, but he did come for the Rising Stars camp. So he did actually come in on an unofficial visit over the summer, um, but that was after he technically committed. Um, you see Notre Dame gets commitments like that quite often, and those very rarely uh, follow through. You know, I mean, T. Shepard, Deontay Greenberry, two guys uh, from Fresno, if you guys can remember those two, uh, the receiver and the cornerback from Fresno, those guys committed to Notre Dame uh, before they ever stepped foot on campus, and they didn't end up at Notre Dame. So, you know, with Vianney, that's another thing. You know, he's committing. He's like, you know, what, did you really commit for the right reasons? Probably not, because you've never actually been to the school or been to the city. You know, Tuscaloosa, it's not quite Corona. It's just yeah. a little different. Uh, it's not Southern California in general, certainly. So that, that kind of stuff makes you kind of believe that um, – it's a long way to signing day. Basically, that's that's how it would sum that up. <laughs> it is a long way uh, towards signing day. All right. Well, thanks for that one, Matthew. Uh, how about Jacob in Copenhagen? How all about right. Jacob? All the way from Denmark. All right. Uh, what happened to, you mentioned T. Shepard just now, cornerback T. Shepard, the former Notre Dame commit, who then wanted to go to Oklahoma. Last I checked, he was playing for some community college team. He should still have some years yet left of eligibility, could he contribute to the USC secondary? What do you Is think? that really? That's really the question. That's what a segue. Um, T. Shepard, yeah, I just that name popped up. Uh, T. Shepard is, I believe, still at community college in Mississippi now. Uh, I know he was at uh, College of the Sequoias for a while, but I believe now he's been placed somewhere in Mississippi. Last I heard, he committed to Oklahoma, and I think he's still kind of a free agent, so to speak. I, I don't know that he's actually um, – I think he's still a, a recruit at this point. I, I have not really kept up real, real closely with his recruitment, but I'm pretty sure he's still kind of out there, probably takes some visits. Oklahoma's kind of the team to beat. Uh, two other Fresno guys, uh, Hatari Bird and L.J. Moore, committed to Oklahoma – uh, this past year and are going there. So Oklahoma's kind of become the little uh, Tony Perry uh, feeder school a little bit. Uh, Tony Perry's an assistant coach there um, at uh, Central East High School and uh, really handles recruiting for that high school and a lot of the kids in that area, um, you know, he coaches in the off season. And so that there's, there's definitely some type of pipeline there uh, with Oklahoma. So I could see him definitely going to Oklahoma 
Uh, and that's the, that's the latest that I know about him. Uh, USC, to my knowledge, has not been real involved with him. Uh, there was some talk, supposedly they had offered him a scholarship, uh, just like over the summer, I think. But I don't, I don't know, man. I mean, he's in Mississippi now, and that's just like that's just it might as well be the moon uh, if you're USC. So um, yeah, Oklahoma's probably. I would, I would, if I had to put money on it, I'd probably say Oklahoma's where he's headed. Uh, but he's still a recruit, and there's still a possibility that uh, he could officially visit USC and decide that he really wants to go to USC. There was a chance there that he would end up at USC as an early enrollee. Um, you know, when he was originally coming out of a re- as a recruit with Fresno, you know, he and Deontay Greenberry actually uh, visited USC. Kind of in a weird quasi. This stuff with you know the Fresno recruits, man, there's always some kind of weird soap opera drama that that that's involved with it. It's like it was the week of the championship games um, in Southern California, the California Bowl, and Deontay Greenberry like played a game, and then he came to USC for an unofficial visit, I guess, for like a night. And then T. Shepard had come down and been on an official visit, and T. Shepard, from what I understand, was really, really high on USC and really loved USC and was basically ready to commit to USC on that Saturday. And then by Sunday morning, he basically said that he was staying with Notre Dame and went underground and stopped talking to people. <laughs> and, and, that was, and that was it. And then it, it was just a weird thing until you know he popped up at Notre Dame as an early enrollee, and then they figured out that he didn't have – like, you know, five of the core classes that he needed to actually enroll. Yet he was still in class, taking classes. So it's like, well, who checked his transcripts? How do you get in class and take classes when you don't have your high school? I don't even know if he had a freaking high school diploma at that point. So somebody obviously overlooked some things and kind of brushed some things along. And then it just turned out that, yeah, you can't actually be here right now because you're not eligible. So then he got popped back into uh, – to junior college at College of Coyas, and somewhere along the line, went from College of Coyas down to Mississippi, and from there, you know, once once you go to Mississippi, it's pretty much you're off Gerard's radar. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. You, you want to hide from Gerard Martinez? Go to Mississippi. <laughs> I, I'll duly noted. I might have to do that. Uh, okay, <laughs> one last one. This is from Kevin. It's about tight ends. Uh, now that Junior Palme is out of the program, only one tight end underclassman is on the roster and the potential for both upperclassmen to declare for the NFL draft after this year. Who are we going after Dalton Schultz aside and who do we have a shot at big time position of need in my opinion? That's Kevin. The big name here is Bryce Dixon, uh, the 6'4", 235 pound on high school. He's the guy. Um, and, and a guy that I, I hear is, is really number one on a lot of people's boards. I, he's kind of on the cusp of being a, a 250 guy. But, um, I mean, as far as the, from what I hear from uh, camps, UCLA, number one guy at their camp. Uh, USC, number one guy at their camp. Um, he's, he's come in and, and just been really good as far as, uh, you know, the, the in-person evaluations that he's gotten. Um, Oregon's after him. Arizona State, number one on their board is tight end. Uh, so he's a guy that's a little underrated. I mean, it seems like the colleges like him a lot more than maybe rivals like him. Um, so he would probably be the guy that uh, if USC takes a, a tight end in this class, and I think they're definitely going to take a tight end in this class now, um, I think he would probably be that kind of that top guy. 
Um, there's there's a couple other guys too that are that are floating around out there. There's actually a guy that I'm I'm gonna keep the name that I'm gonna keep to myself. We gotta we kind of have to do some uh, some 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 research and some things on a guy that um his name popped up after uh one of the camps that's uh, going to be a pretty good player but he has really good ties to USC and could be another guy that you know comes in as a tight end for USC um I hate to be so uh, coy about it but uh, it's the podcast and it's kind of more of a war room type thing but Ooh, there's there's nice. some names and so there's a possibility you know USC could even take two tight ends in this class I, I don't know. I don't know if they really can. I mean, you start crunching numbers. You go, oh, really? You want to take two tight ends? I know that there's a possibility that they lose two tight ends. You know, if Randall Telfer and Xavier Grimble. So you know, that's they're in a tough position. You know, I mean, you, you, you're you're basically you've got that twenty that you can take, and with the five, you know, early enrollees. Um, but, uh, you know, when you start taking two tight ends and two quarterbacks and you start doubling up in positions like that, or, you know, technically you might only put one guy on the field at a time, uh, it makes it, it makes it difficult. Usually that's for a bigger class when you start taking, um, you start doubling up on those type of positions, but USC kind of might have to, um, depending on, you know, Telfer and, and Grimble and what kind of seasons they have. And it doesn't even matter what type of season they have. They could leave anyways, just because they feel like, you know, they've got an agent in there that tells them, hey, yeah, man, you're going to go in the first round. And sometimes, you know, kids believe that. Nikel Roby left. I think Nikel Roby's going to make that team in Buffalo right now. He's with the Buffalo Bills. But it's one of those things that, you know, he could easily come back to USC and, and, and maybe gotten drafted, you know, because he didn't get drafted. And that, that it's tough, you know, when you don't get drafted and you leave school early. It really, it's, it's, that's a scary thing for a kid. Um, well, I think the the one thing you mentioned there with the twenty, I I think it's actually going to be nineteen now, Gerard, because of Delvon Simmons transferring in. So I think it'll only be nineteen. That's true. We really haven't talked about you know that you know, that that kind of goes back to how Josh Shaw kind of Josh Shaw and the Isaiah Wiley thing, and I mean that was really complicated trying to figure out how many you know who counts against what class last year, and then you had Darius Rogers coming in. I mean this stuff just. It's just become so weird and complicated, you know. It, it, you figure recruiting could be a little more straightforward, but with USC and the sanctions, them, you know, trying to get as much as they can out of each class, it's it's become you know pretty complicated. And yeah, Delvon Simmons is a guy that they brought in, and so he's got to count against a class. And he could though, yeah. No, I guess that would be against even you know he would be against the early enrollees or the class last year, which is the same thing, you know, because they came up short last year. But that's, you know, that those guys that come up short get rolled over to this class as early enrollees. So he would count against that early enrollee number. Uh, we assume. <laughs> we assume. We assume? I don't, I don't know if we ever assume anything in recruiting, Gerard. It's hard. We don't, like, it changes all the time. Rules change. The numbers change. We're just trying to figure it out. We're trying to keep our head above water with this whole thing. Yeah, we're assuming that 2015 class is the first class, uh, you know, in the last three years, obviously, that USC is not going to be sanctioned. So we assume that they can take a full 25. But then, you know, there might be some weird thing in there where it's like, well, the guys that that were under sanctions haven't graduated, and they have to graduate before you can bring in a new guy or some weird thing. You know, I mean, that happened last year with, with the early enrollees and trying to get Kylie Fitz in. I mean, I don't know if anybody knew that, okay, you can only bring in so many enrollees, but the guys that you have going out that are seniors, if they're still on scholarship that spring, then you can't bring in your full allotment of early enrollees. Like, that was something that I, I never even thought about and became an issue, and they lost a recruit over it. 
So, I mean, <laughs> these are things that just you just don't know about them until they happen. Yeah. All right. Well, great stuff. We'll uh, keep on top of it. We'll try to do a few more uh, Trojan Blast recruiting podcasts. I know we, we skipped like six weeks or so, but we'll try to do some more of these. And uh, if you have any more questions, you can email them in podcast at uscfootball.com. But thanks again, Gerard, for uh, coming on the show. Thank you, Howie, as always. All right, everyone else, thank you very much for tuning in. We'll be back uh, Monday with the regular edition of the Peristyle Podcast talking about everything that happened over on the islands, USC versus Hawaii. Stay tuned for that. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.